Welcome once again. It's the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is the 15th day of September 2022. We welcome you once again to our Chapter 49 podcast. We represent as a union most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer working with Chapter 49 in the area of communications. And as always, we are joined by our chapter president, Duncan Giles. And once again, if I am looking back and forth, that's because I'm trying to produce this podcast. At the same time, I'm uh, it's called twiddling of the knobs. That's the uh, technical term for it. But Duncan Giles, welcome back. Uh, good to have you back this week. Thank you, Larry. It's always good to be here. Beautiful day, 81 degrees outside, so I'm waiting for your comment about the lack of a window, but we'll, we'll skip that. I was going to say, I would have no <laughs> idea. It was a little bit cooler than that when I came into the office around 6.30. This is the time of year in our area of the, of the world, central Indiana, where we do tend to get a little fog in the mornings, particularly because we get the, the, the cool temperatures and the warm temperatures kind of go back and forth a little bit. We have several days of cool weather. And today it's warming up a bit, so we, we do have fog here and there, which I guess for any commuter, I commuted for years. Uh, I'm sure you have a commute that it is impacted by heavy fog, so hopefully that uh, did not hamper you at all today. Nope, so far so good. Let's move on to what we have to say today, and there are several issues to talk about in this podcast. First one is uh, an issue we've talked about before. It's the continuing resolution. There's little to no chance that the Congress will pass the appropriations bills. I believe the House has passed six or somewhere around that number of, and there are several other, way more than that to, to pass, have passed the House, but the Senate has passed a total number of zero appropriation bills. So clearly the Congress will not get their uh, budget work done by the end of this month. Therefore, a continuing resolution will be needed in order to keep the government funded. The uh, administration has said there are some things that need to be in that CR. For example, uh, help with Ukraine that needs to continue, and that needs to be in the continuing resolution to keep that going as the budgets are, are being finalized and a few other odds and ends. And Duncan, I think the main thing that you and I would, would can be concerned about in our history of watching these budget situations you don't want to see some kind of poison pill or controversial uh, rider on a continuing resolution. You want it to be as clean as it can be and one that most or all members of Congress can sign on to because if there's something controversial in there, that, that can hold up the works. Exactly my thought, Larry. Let's get a clean as CR, a continuing resolution. They're called CRs as possible so we can continue to have the government open and function as it should for taxpayers. We're hearing that they're looking at a continuing resolution through around the middle of December. So that's always a fun time to see if the government will shut down around Christmas. Um, but hopefully, like you said, cooler heads will prevail. They'll get something that they're able to, for the most part, people will be able to agree on, continue the government to function. I don't think anybody at this point is looking forward to a show uh, shutdown at all. So I would hope that that's a very remote possibility. But as you said, there's no way that we're going to get our budgets passed before the end of the fiscal year. So we will have to have a continuing resolution before the end of September. 
And one of the budgets up for consideration would be the IRS budget, at least up to this point. We, of course, we already have the Inflation Reduction Act, which greatly augmented our budget over 10 years. But the base budget uh, that was proposed by the president uh, looks like a reasonable one for the, the IRS to, to get its work done. Yeah, and that's that's what we're hoping to just, you know, we just need the funds to be able to continue to try and improve where we're at going with the bare bones that we have. So, you know, the, the legislators have to agree on top end numbers on the total budget for everything. And then it'll fall into place what the IRS will end up getting, but we're hearing decent things. Well, let's, another thing that's going on in Congress, and I think it's, it's worth revisiting this issue. This came up during the uh, Trump administration and it is, is now in Congress in a much different way. It's called Schedule F. Now, for people who do tax law, no, this is not a farm tax return. What we're talking about here is Schedule F as it applies to federal employment. And this Schedule F has to do with whom is um, um, covered by civil service protections. The way things work now, about 4,000 Federal workers are presidential appointees. They serve at the pleasure of the president. But there's hundreds of thousands more of federal employees who are uh, under the, the regular civil service. They are people who do the, the, the work day in and day out. They are not presidential appointees. There was an effort by the Trump administration to expand what's called Schedule F from just 4,000 to tens of thousands of people who the president would appoint. It would dig deeper into the civil service. Uh, a lot of people were concerned about that, and there are even some people uh, in the Congress who are saying that uh, all civil service employees should be at will, in other words, no longer covered by civil service protections. You and I have talked about why that's a bad idea, but what's going on now is this vote coming up in the Congress over this issue of Schedule F. So explain what the Congress is set to vote on and, and why NTEU has some very specific ideas about this legislation. Yeah, because, you know, most people recognize that Schedule F for the federal civil service is an incredibly bad idea. I don't want uh, partisans of any party to be able to say, okay, we want to put our friends and contributors in here instead of people who know the work, who've been doing the work, and who are doing it apolitically. And that's the key thing that the civil service is supposed to be doing is, you know, we're not supposed to be looking at one side, the other, the middle, anything like that. We're supposed to be doing what is according, right according to the law. And you start messing around with that by introducing more and more people to, uh, in, in a Schedule F scenario. And that could be very bad. What some members of Congress are doing and are bringing it up for a vote is to basically permanently ban this idea of Schedule F. And I know national and I can tell you myself personally think that this is an incredibly valuable thing to have because there are always going to be presidential appointees. There should be in certain high level areas. But when you get down to the people actually doing the day to day work, those should be the people who've been there, who've trained, who are doing the right things for those reasons, for the American taxpayer, and should be protected from something like political persuasion of any kind. So they're trying to 
uh, you know, I want everybody to take a look, contract, uh, contact your congressperson, your senator. National NTU has a link that makes it very easy to do this on your own time and on your own computer to let them know that you want to make sure that your job is protected under civil service protections and not uh, potentially down the road subject to something like a Schedule F situation. And NTEU.org is, uh, you need to make sure if you haven't already, as a member of NTEU, register, very easy to do. Once you are registered and you're on your own equipment, your own time, not government time or equipment, go into that area uh, under legislative issues and you can have an email letter sent to your one member of Congress and two senators. Most in most of the country have one a uh, member of Congress that represents you, and you have two senators from your state that represent you. Just make sure they all understand what your views are. Schedule F is the civil is about civil service protection, so that people are not just fired summarily for while they're working. That's, that, this goes back well over a hundred years, Duncan. Uh, if you want to look at the history of it. And it, it came because uh, things were in such chaos. Every time there was a new party or president that came into office, the entire federal workforce was fired and new people were brought in. And that's not that they were bad people, but they didn't know the jobs and coming up to speed about the time that the next administration comes <laughs> in. So there just wasn't any continuity. It's really for the public's sake, for the employees. Everybody wins under under this system. So this Schedule F vote is all tied to that, is it not? Exactly so. You put it very well. We just want to make sure that the work that needs to get done gets done by the people who are trained to do it and who have been there and know how to do it. Well, I want to talk uh, about something else, move on to another issue here, because I know this is a shock to everyone, a big surprise, people working at IRS. There is a shortage of revenue officers and reg- revenue agents. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because people are retiring, and some people do. You know, there's a natural attrition in those jobs anyway. And when you're an RO or RA, you can take those talents to the private sector and and you can sometimes make more money. You wouldn't have those civil service protections, but you can do well outside of government. So uh, revenue officers and revenue agents that are retiring, they're leaving, there are lots of openings. Even before anybody talked about this uh, surge in hiring that's coming up. So what's the lay of the land? What What are you hearing about all this? Yeah, it's we're getting uh, we're hitting the lowest of the low at this point in terms of bodies. And, yeah, we already know we all know we're low in the service centers. We're low on the phones. We're low in places like TAS. But, you know, for somebody who is doing the job of revenue officer or revenue agent, it's going to take them a few years to get geared up. And even when you hire people, you're going to have to take your experienced people off the casework to be able to train them because you want to have people in my mind who are currently doing the job, doing the training, not somebody who was retired and been brought back after 10 years, you know, God bless them, but they may not know the most current things that are going on when they're teaching. So we need to really be focusing on these hires as soon as possible. And I know the inflation act is going to help with that, but until that ball gets rolling, we're, you know, we're suffering in, you know, the number of cases that revenue agents have, or if they get a job going from SBSE to LBNI, they're having to take part of their SBSE casework with them 
because there aren't enough agents in small business self-employment. You know, the revenue officers, their caseloads and territories are growing so much because there are so few of them. And trying to go out and get the money that's owed to the United States government. It's it's just it's a tough thing to do with so few people. So, you know, we just want to make sure that everybody realizes every division of the IRS is impacted um, by these shortages. And these folks are doing a great job with, you know, very few compatriots. You know, most of my career working in toll-free, I was a tax law specialist, and there was one, once the filing season was over, there were a few years there where myself and my two colleagues, who were tax law specialists at the time, were often detailed to other divisions. I was detailed uh, to special procedures, part collection division at that time, and they asked me to uh, just give an overview of tax law at one of their CPEs, and they were bringing in all of the revenue officers from the entire state. In one room, and there were, I think, about 100 revenue officers plus the managers and others. And everybody just complained about how 100 revenue officers, man, aren't we really running low? That was a, that would be a high point to point to today, sadly. Uh, it certainly would. <laughs> and so the 100 was like, wow, we're really low, and we're, we're way below that now in the state of Indiana. I mean, revenue officers, tax compliance officers. You know, here's the thing I think. I would hope the service would do it. If anybody is watching or listening for management, as a former union rep and a former manager, former union official, this is just an idea I, Duncan and I have talked about, but put it in more specificity. Look at this. You've got revenue officers. You've got revenue agents. You could go to colleges as people are graduating from college and just talk to these people and say a couple of things. Once, if you want to work in some kind of collection, Go to IRS, you won't have that pressure to produce you'll have in the private sector. You do your job professionally, you do it the right way, but you're not going to have, in fact, it would be illegal for IRS to give you a goal to collect a certain amount of money. So if you want to work in some kind of collection work, why don't you go to IRS? We might have, you might not, won't be working day and night. Same thing for revenue agents. Go to work for an accounting firm, that's fine. You may make some money there. Go to IRS, you'll work a 40-hour week. You go to an accounting firm, you're going to be working nights and weekends, particularly certain parts of the year. So how much, how important is it for you to have your own time and be able to enjoy life? You know, there is, I mean, even though we don't have everything the private sector has, we have things the private sector does not have. On the other hand, don't you think, Duncan, maybe if the IRS would get more aggressive, just, and there are a lot of places this could be done, but let's just talk about colleges and universities, even some trade schools for some jobs. Why doesn't the IRS get out there and try to recruit? I mean, to me, we have a message and a story to tell. What do you think? I think that's very true. That's the way we used to do it. It's called old-fashioned recruiting, but it seemed to work well for us for many, many years for a lot of positions. Now they do a lot of it via emails, text, websites, things of that nature, but you're missing that one-on-one -on -one connection where you can really talk to somebody about the benefits of working for the IRS. And yeah, we all gripe about the job because it is tough, and especially when we're short-staffed, but there are many advantages, as you just pointed out, to working for the federal government, and we need to let folks know this rather than the people who are saying, you know, don't go there because we're going to repeal all of this and you're going to be without a job, and it's horrible, and things of that nature. That's just not true. 
Well, and I, I know a few cases, not a lot, but a few cases where some people had worked at at uh, large accounting firms getting close to the end of, of, of their career and chose to work the last four or five years at the IRS rather than stay at the accounting firm because they were burnt out working all these hours. So we have a story to tell, and I think you make a very good point. Using technology is great. I think we should as an agency. I should say we. I'm a retired, so in that way it's, it's we. But, you know, I, I do think that the service needs to think about that human touch, augmenting all the technology that they're using by making a personal connection. I don't know, just in the things that I do, my volunteer work that I do in my local community, it's one thing to have a connection with somebody on email or some kind of social media, but it's an entirely different relationship when it's a it's in person and it's human to human. I, I, I would hope we never lose that. And that's that's what we've got to get we've got to get stuff back to. It's almost like when you hear, um, you know, the intelligence community talk about, well, yeah, drones are great and this is great and this is great, but nothing beats human intelligence. Having people, you know, that you're actually seeing and hearing things, and it's the same way with making connections when you're doing uh, recruiting for jobs. We've got to have these connections and these discussions one on one. Yet it may not be as super effective as doing an email blast out to somebody or a, you know, a LinkedIn post. But I think that there is a great deal of value and that there's still people that communicate like that at all, at any age, at all ages. Let's move on to another issue. Uh, we've talked about this. In fact, uh, we talked about it what, a few weeks ago, having Tony Reardon, our national president, as a guest on the podcast. And it has to do with the vaccine mandate. There's a lot going on with COVID, and they're all kind of in uh, – little bit different issues. One issue that's still left over from uh, the entire COVID situation, which by the way is still going on, we're still getting COVID outbreaks in IRS offices. And as Duncan and I have talked about, the management is now required to provide high quality masks that they require them. And that's because NTEU pushed for it. But um, there is a, a, a legal case that started during the COVID pandemic when it was at its height. It's still around, not as badly as before. That was a vaccine mandate. The president said, hey, if you work for the federal government, you must be vaccinated. Well, a lot of people went to court saying, no, that's not right. President shouldn't have the right to do that. So it's now before a federal appeals court in New Orleans, Louisiana, in that, that, uh, that venue, that district down there. And there was a hearing held the other day about this. Well, actually, last week, I think. I've read uh, several news reports about it, and how that hearing <clears throat> excuse me, went sort of depends on what side of the fence you're on or just what you bring into it. And the journalists tried to play it down the middle, but even they weren't really sure what the judges were trying to say and making statements and asking questions, just to let you know that this is one of those legal you know, necessities to explain, is that there was a, usually when you go to an appeals court, there's a three-judge panel that, that's appointed or there's a method for, for appointing these judges that issued a ruling already, but then the, the losing side was said, well, we want to go to the full appeals court and have all the judges vote on it, and the appeals court decided to go ahead and do that. So all the judges were in this hearing, which gets to be quite interesting because you got, what, 1920 judges in some of these menus. So now we're waiting on a decision, and there's no idea how long it will take to get an actual decision from the full appeals court. 
So, Duncan, I think we just need to remind everybody that whole vaccine mandate remains on hold while it's tied up in the courts. Yeah, right now you've still got, you know, you're not required to do the vaccine. We don't know what the end result of that court case will be. But I can tell you for a fact that COVID is still out there. It's still impacting people because I'm seeing, you know, weekly, if not every couple of days, where there have been cases in IRS offices here in Indiana, and I'm sure my counterparts across the country are getting the same notices. And, you know, we've had to close down rooms. I've got one down the hall from me. That room's closed until Monday so they can do a thorough cleaning because they've had a COVID outbreak. A couple of people have had it, and it just spreads. So I would strongly urge everyone, again, if you haven't had the vaccine, please get it. If you haven't been boosted, please do that. They're coming out with you know, new and improved boosters, so be thinking about what you might want to do. And it's strictly to keep yourself, your family, your coworkers, and your fellow human beings and yourself safe. That's the that's the bottom line for me. Yeah, and safety has been an NTEU priority. It's been your priority from the very beginning of this. And COVID was at a high point when you and I started this podcast about what, two and a half years ago. And uh, it's still around. And yes, people are still being required to wear masks in some offices. We've had closures of offices. So uh, please, you know, just be careful and, and, and follow the guidance uh, that you're given. Another item I wanted to discuss, uh, Duncan, if we can, is that there's a group of uh, members of Congress, there's a group of them that have been asking questions of the uh, Biden administration, particularly uh, the Department of Homeland Security and also just all the security issues that, that come up in the protection of federal buildings and even lease space where federal employees are working. And this has to do with security and, and, and uh, with the, the and sadly with the environment in which we live, the political environment and, and all that has happened with the attack on the Capitol in, uh, in that we all experience on January 6, 2020. I think it's, uh, it's, it's good to see that there are members of Congress saying during budget time, hey, administration, tell us what you need to protect federal employees. To me, that's a good sign. It's absolutely a good sign, and I'm extremely proud of our national president, Tony Reardon, for being at the forefront of pushing this. Um, he's talked to every agency that we represent, including the IRS, the highest levels, and basically said there needs to be a security review. And I believe that's one of the reasons that Commissioner Redding is doing a security review because of the push from NTU. This bickering for lack, I'm going to try and be as nice as I can here um, and not start throwing uh, expletive deleted around is absolutely senseless. And to put federal employees in potential danger for political gain is absolutely the height of something that should not be happening. I, I can't even put it into words. It, it infuriates me so much because everybody I know is sitting there just doing their job, busting their butts, trying to do things the right way, doing things according to the laws passed by, I don't know, Congress. Oh yeah. These same people are saying that we're going to be having these issues and you know, we just want to make sure that we're in a safe environment because nobody should have to go to work and fear for their safety. Nobody should have to talk about their job and say, ooh, I shouldn't have said that in this company. 
somebody may, you know, follow me home or do something or take offense. That's baloney. We work for the IRS. We know we're not loved. We know that going in. But this this heightened threat and sense, there's absolutely no need for that. And I strongly applaud any member of Congress um, or any member of the administration or, like I said, uh, our national president, Tony Reardon, for pushing to make sure that we are as safe as possible. Well, I mentioned the date we're recording this. It is September 15th. And uh, we should say a word about Labor Recognition Week. I mean, this is one week during the year where labor unions try to remind people, hey, we are here for a reason. We're here to represent the people who are doing the work at the ground level. And I'd like a few words from you on Labor Recognition Week. Yeah, I I just want to extend my appreciation to anybody who is out there watching this that's perhaps not from Chapter 49 of Indiana your chapter's appreciation for everything that you're doing. You know, we, we work hard and we want to make sure that we work in a safe environment, you know, uh, figuratively as well as literally. And, you know, labor unions like NTEU want to make sure that that's possible and have for quite a long time. So it's just an appreciation of everything that you do and know that NTU is here for you and always will be. And with that, on that note, uh, your final comment for this podcast. Uh, again, on Labor Recognition Week is also tied in close to Constitution Day, which is on Saturday. And, you know, we all swear an oath when we come into the Constitution to uh, defend it to the best of our ability and do our jobs. And I truly believe that the vast, vast, vast majority of federal employees in every agency do that. And I am so thankful to be working with those people and the job that they do. And I just want to say thanks to them. Well, we are one of the few nations in the world that reveres this document called a constitution. I mean, it's not too many nations anywhere uh, do that. And and that's one reason I think we have, even though we have our political disagreements, that we always coalesce around the basics of that document of, of shared power, of checks and balances uh, that that document brought, that tremendous political compromise. You know, people who say, go to Congress and say, I don't want to compromise over anything, need to remember that those men that met in Philadelphia to and that to put together that constitution had to make major concessions. They had to make major compromises to get that done. And uh, we need to remember that uh, you know we should give that document what it uh, the uh, the reverence that it should have. And remember the original constitution had some flaws, and that's why there was almost immediately ten amendments. You know we have to, that's what we call the Bill of Rights. That came later. But it is part of our Constitution. People saw there was something missing there. And uh, that was enacted fairly quickly after the original Constitution uh, was, was, was ratified. So uh, we need to appreciate what we have and try to preserve that and preserve that very important heritage that we can hand on to our own children and, and grandchildren with a constitution and a republic, a democratic republic, a republic based on democracy that can continue on for for many years to come. So I'm really glad to hear you say that. 
And and uh, anybody who studied our Constitution, its history, and its place in the world, how other nations are amazed at at our ability to have this document, although it has changed when it needs to. Uh, it's not easy to change. It was set up that way. And uh, we still revere the document and govern ourselves based on it. So that's no small thing. We should appreciate that, Duncan. Absolutely. That's so so very well said, Larry. Couldn't well, thank agree you. more. Thank you very much. Well, you just heard Duncan Giles. He's our chapter president for Chapter 49. You've been watching and or listening to the Chapter 49 podcast for September 15th of 2022. We try to make this a weekly podcast. We have both a, an audio and a video version. If you want to check YouTube, go to Duncan Giles, and there are several of them. Just check the one that has Chapter 49 podcasts on the video feed. Or just go to any audio platform and find podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N, and you'll find all the podcasts I produce and the Chapter 49 podcasts are right there. So we, again, thank you for taking some time out of your day and night to watch or listen to this podcast. And please be safe, be kind. Be kind.